Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Skull Search Podcast. My name is Tyler Fornest, and I am your host here on this glorious Sunday evening where the Cleveland Browns have decided to not be futile anymore, and they have won a playoff game. And I mention this because my esteemed guest is none other than one of the biggest Browns fans I've ever met and a returning man on the Skull Search Podcast, Mr. Andrew Harbaugh. Andrew, tell us how you're feeling right now. I don't know how to feel. The only playoff victories I've had in my life are Cleveland Cavaliers and Washington Capitals. So, and for being a Browns fan and just a football fan in general, um, I've had national titles being a Florida fan. I've had two, Um, but living where I live, I live in about an hour North of Pittsburgh. Um, I've constantly been hounded on my whole life. So tomorrow when I go to work, it'll be an extra pip in my step for, the good Yenzers of the area. <laughs> I really hope you own a Brown mask cards because you beat them twice <laughs> in eight days. And that is something that very few fan bases can uh, attest to as far as the uh, twice in eight days with two practices. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that the Browns ran a makeshift offensive line had no offensive play caller and trotted out Mike Prefer, who's, Luckily, was coaching his second NFL game as a as an interim head coach out there, and to whip the Steelers like that was just awesome. But and you're I think, not, yeah. And for your Vikings listeners, we had two backup guards play phenomenal as long as the scheme was right and the coaching was right. So all you got to do is you don't have to draft a guard in the first round. You just got to go hire Bill Callahan from the Cleveland Browns and you'll be fine. So we're, we'll start off with this since we kind of took a little bit of a tangent, Andrew, do guards matter <laughs> today? I, 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 they did today. I, I will say for the game with uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, they uh, tie Wyatt Teller uh, was playing phenomenal. He was the main reason the running game looked so good. Um, and then the counter argument to where they don't matter as long as you just get the scheme, so to speak. Um, and it's all Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt really deserve all the credit and Callahan. Um, Baker even said there was a guy that came in and started at one point and he just knew him by his first name and he met him before the game. He didn't, doesn't even remember having a conversation with him beforehand. So Wyatt Teller says yes. No name guy that Baker just met says no. So. Well, I say guards don't matter because Wyatt Teller was a fifth round pick, and that's what I'm saying. You can get and a them very later. cheap free agent pickup, and now he's an all pro. Exactly. You can find those guys, and it's a lot easier to find them at guard than it is at other positions. But we're going to move on. We're going to uh, kind of break down on a general scale the senior bowl rosters. And today we're going to be talking offense, and Andrew will be back with me uh, later this week, and we're going to talk defense as well. Uh, Andrew, Kind of with the Minnesota Vikings slant here, this quarterback class is going to be really interesting. Kyle Trask feels like a no for the Minnesota Vikings because they're just not going to take a quarterback round one, assuming that Zimmer and Spielman continue throughout the offseason in their current positions. So you have guys like Kellen Mond, Sam Ellinger, Ian Book, Felipe Franks, Jamie Newman, and then you assume that we're going to have two more guys added, one of them for sure being Mac Jones, uh, and possibly a guy like Shane Bouchelle. What should Vikings fans be kind of looking for with this quarterback class? 
especially in those one-on-one type drills from these lower tier guys. I think it is a tier quarterback. It's rather sad, especially after last year, you get spoiled with just Jordan Love, two first round. Obviously, I don't, I don't know what Minnesota is looking to do as far as the quarterback on how much confidence they have in Kirk. Plus being at four going to be there and be available for him. But I late day two, um, probably a day three where the majority of these guys are going to wind up being. Uh, Kyle Trask is, I think, going to be the highest drafted of anyone as I look at this list and I'm thinking about it now. Um, a lot of, I'd probably say maybe even half these guys might not even get drafted. Ian Book's going to be real hit or miss. Uh, Kellen Mond, I think, has the tools a team can see that can mold. Jamie Newman's had a lot of hype. There was hype before the season where they talked about him being an end of the first, early second round guy. And I, from t- I didn't see it. Um, but obviously, Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, they know what they're doing because they want to Justin Jefferson instead of Jalen Rager. So I trust them to evaluate everything at this point. Um, but on a serious note, I think a guy for them that would be really fun and somebody that Vikings fans, worst case, they don't address it at pick 14. I think Sam Ellinger would be a really, really fun play there. Um, I don't know how the offense would work for him, but it's something where there's enough around him to where he can find success without having to be too um, creative on his own. Like at Texas, he has to run a lot. He And Brennan Eagles and uh, Ingram, the greatest of weapons, obviously Ingram is transferring now. You see the young guys kind of stepping up. Um, but Ellinger, having the Madison, uh, Justin Jefferson we're seeing now is on the verge of being an all-pro um, Adams feeling. So I think Ellinger could find enough success in case you decide you're enough's enough with Kirk and you want to light a spark. Ellis, we, we called him Texas Tebow last year, and that was an interesting, not comp, but joke. But he's definitely part all character, and I think he's somebody Zimmer would like, Minnesota fans would like, and I think he's in that locker room very, very well. Yeah, Ellinger is a very interesting case study because one guy that's not in this group that we were kind of talking about pre-show that we think might be added because you and I both assume that Mac Jones is going to be playing in this game. And if they do that, then they're going to have to add an eighth quarterback. And that quarterback uh, is Shane Bouchelle, who got beaten out by Sam Ellinger for that starting job at Texas. And kind of the talk around the college football circles and draft Twitter has been if Shane Bouchelle had stayed at Texas and Sam Ellinger left, Texas would already be back. Uh, what kind of intrigues you about Bouchelle? And if he ends up making this roster, uh, what do you really like about him? Because he's he. I know our guy Tyler Browning loves him some Shane Bouchelle. Uh, Bouchelle's got a cannon, and the mechanics may need some tweaking, but the arm strength's there. You throw him in a dome. I, he's going to do fantastic. And I think Dome is not a respectful enough term for that beautiful stadium, I will say. Um, but I think Buchel there, not having to deal with the normal weather you deal with in Minnesota, um, having Jefferson, having Thielen, having Irv Smith, like all those receiving options. Um, I think Buchel would be another guy that I would love to have too. Um, Buchel's definitely going to be one of those guys where he has better tools than Ellen. Obviously, I, I think we talked about this. I think they made the wrong back, but sure's throwing up the hook him and the other one didn't. So 
with Buchel, though, I definitely think between the two of them, I think they're both day three guys. I think you could probably get both around the same time frame as far as the picks go, but um, I think either one would be a seamless fit. I think Buchel would just have more fun for the pa- be more fun for the passing game. I completely agree. And Vikings fans, one thing that you might want to think about with these comps, a lot of people that I talk to are comping Shane Bouchelle to Case Keenum. And we all know what Case Keenum did with this offense at, a couple years ago in 2017. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking quarterback because let's just be honest, as much as we may want to move on from Kirk Cousins and upgrade, this team just isn't going to do that. But the running back position itself is filled with a lot of interesting players uh, around the area where the Vikings might consider a running back. Uh, You have Alexander Madison, who's entering his third year. He's probably not going to be a long-term piece with the Minnesota Vikings. You have Mike Boone, who's become a good special teamer, but it's his fourth year. He's probably going to be a guy that they end up letting go at the end of uh, training camp. And a third running back in this team is borderline essential because you want to be able to rotate guys out and especially for special teams purposes. There are a lot of really interesting players here, Andrew. I expect a guy like Trey Sermon from Ohio state. He's probably going to get pushed up a little bit because of how dominant he was in the college football playoff last weekend. You have Elijah Mitchell, Louisiana, Khalil Herbert, Virginia tech, Larry Roundtree, the third Missouri, and my unabashed guy, Kylan Hill, Mississippi State. When you look at this group of running backs, Andrew, obviously the Vikings are going to be looking for something that's a little more one-cut zone scheme, like your running back, Nick Chubb, our running back, Dalvin Cook. What should we be looking for out of this running back group as it pertains to the Minnesota Vikings? I think in terms of the Vikings, again, it's kind of like the quarterback is for you with compared to the quarterback, I would say Dalvin Cooks, I, I would make an argument he's the best running back of football right now. Um, and have Madison, who's been serviceable. You talked about Boone, fourth year um, running back. You know where I stand on Max in general. Um, a lot of these guys, I don't know. I think if anyone could be fun for you guys or like serve a purpose, um, I think with Cook having not really so much recently, but questions were there with the injuries and the character stuff and that's pretty much gone um but obviously anything can happen anytime especially coming off she's he's gonna um we don't know if there's gonna you never know when a david johnson situation could pop up um i think a kylan hill could be a dalvin cook light in this offense um real physical runner runs with attitude that's my favorite thing about him um showed a little bit of pass catching ability in that first game against you under mike leach uh decommitted or left the school, I would say, and declared for the draft after Mike Leach really just didn't use him afterwards. Um, and ba- and who knows where Mike Leach stands on everything. Kyle outspoken person reasons. Um, and the guys, too, I think Elijah Mitchell would be another fun one. 5'11", 217, bigger guy, um, has home run hitting ability for sure. Um, and then another one too, just because you never know, like, I don't think he's going to hit the first round, but who knows off of, of the hype, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma, if you guys wanted to go that route in the second round, and I don't know if he'll be there in the third, uh, or no, you guys don't even have a second round pick. Excuse me, Tyler. All right. Get rid of that part here. Right. 
Uh, I'll go back and talk about a Mitchell here. So, but yeah, no, I think Elijah Mitchell would probably be a real fun day three pick for you guys. I don't think he's going to be highly clamored over, um, but I definitely think he could be a, a Madison light. And we already got our Dalvin Cook light, so why not get that compliment going there for you? But uh, I think Mitchell, Madison, Cook would be a real nice one, two, three punch for you guys. I completely agree. Those Louisiana running backs had a fantastic season this year. And at running backs at the senior bowl really don't get a lot of shine because there isn't a whole lot for them to do. They do uh, some routes out of the backfield. They do uh, some special team stuff. You don't really see them do a lot of one-on-ones, but when it comes game time, you get really get to see a flair for what they can do because they're given a little bit more shine who does get probably the most shine during senior bowl week is the wide receivers. Oh, those one-on-ones are so much fun. And guys, there are six, six teen of them this year. Oh my goodness. Last year we had 12 and there were a couple uh, well-known names that were left off rosters, including Minnesota favorite Tyler Johnson, who had a pretty good year as a fifth round pick with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I'm going to list off these names and we're going to kind of break down a few of them here. Uh, Notre Dame spend Skoronek. I probably butchered that and uh, that is okay. LSU's Racy McMath, Louisville's Desmond Fitzpatrick, Houston's Marquez Stevenson, Western Michigan's Dwayne Eskridge, UAB's Austin Watkins Jr., Tennessee's Josh Palmer, South Dakota State's Kay Johnson, who I know you are a fan of, South Carolina's Shai Smith, Oklahoma yes. State's Tylan Wallace, uh, Michigan's Nico Collins, Florida's Kadarius Toney and Trevon Grimes, Arizona State's Frank Darby, who is also Harbs's guy, and Clemson's duo of Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. That is a hell of a list, Harbaugh. I, I'm not quite sure where, where to start, so we're going to start with kind of the big hitters here. The Florida guys and the Clemson guys. We've seen what Kadarius Toney can do. Trevon Grimes really flew under the radar, and you saw how important that Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers were in that playoff game against Ohio State. When it comes to these four guys, what are things we should be looking for uh, at the Senior Bowl? Because they all provide kind of different skill sets, but one-on-ones really give you an opportunity to shine and show what you're made of. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. A lot of these guys, the the DBs are kind of, are the lambs brought in for slaughter, it seems, more often than not. Um, So that's why whenever one does stand out and gets the ability to shut down the receivers here in these drills, it stands out. Um, As far as guys for me that I think can really have a chance to stand out um, based on size and how they play and everything, I think Tylen Wallace is is a fantastic – has a fantastic case to be made for the most a game coming out of this. Uh, There was talk last year of him being a first-round guy. Came back to school this year because of the ACL, I think, and wanted to prove something, and he did. Um, Another person like that that's kind of the opposite is Frank Darby. I had a summer grade on Frank Darby that was higher than Nikhil Harry and higher than uh, Tyler. Help me out here. Who's that first round pick last year? Uh, Brandon Ayuk. That's right. I had a higher first round or a higher grade on Frank Darby than I did on Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he had a lot of injuries this year, so he wasn't able to really play. And, and the Pac-12 football this year was just a mess in general. Um, whether there's a pandemic or not, that seems to always be the case anymore. But uh, a guy for me that I think is going to be interesting on one-on-ones, and it's kind of like, I, I think he can be Kadarius Tony Light in a day three, like, skill set, or has a day three 
draft capital, but I think he has the same skill set as Tony, not to the same degree, is like you talked about my guy, Kate Johnson out of South Dakota State, who I talked to today, and he's very excited to get down to Mobile. Uh, he's really thinking that one-on-ones and getting some special team stuff going is going to sh- kind of separate him from other teams. And that's something that uh, Jim Nagy talked about on Twitter last week with these receivers is doing the special teams work is going to set you apart. We saw that with Van Jefferson, Freddie Swain um, this year with the Rams and the Seahawks. So I think Kate Johnson, somebody that again, day three for you guys as Vikings fans is where really a lot of teams kind of check out, but you guys are going to be checking in uh, because of the Yannick trade and everything. So, and I think that's when Spielman works his magic too. It seems he's the one who's going to be getting these day three guys when everybody else is kind of grasping at straws. And I think Kay Johnson being from South Dakota would have fun being from the back. Oh my gosh. Being from your guys' backyard. And I think he'd be a lot of fun on this offense and on special teams, especially. Absolutely agree. And the one thing that is really interesting with Rick Spielman Harbs, I'm not sure if you're aware of this projected to have four fourth round picks, two fifths, a sixth, two sevenths. Oh, so, so you, can get, you can get two, three receivers. Exactly. And uh, I want to touch on one more guy before we kind of move on here. And that's Oklahoma State's Tylen Wallace. And he did have that ACL injury. He came back this year. And Spencer Sanders is a whole lot of fun. But he was also hurt quite a bit this season. And I think the numbers that Wallace put up really suffered. Plus, Chuba Hubbard just wasn't it. He was yeah. now nowhere near the guy that we saw last season. And that really made an impact on him. But one-on-ones, I think he has a real opportunity to thrive and shine. And I think he could be a guy that the Vikings target in that third round range. What else does he bring to the table that really gets you excited about Tylen Wallace? Uh, he's a one-on-one matchup. Like just what, he's a touchdown waiting to happen, a big play waiting to happen an insane catch waiting to happen. If you watch, and obviously take this for what it's worth, the Kansas game is where I really saw the athletic ability jump out on tape for me with Tylen Wallace. Um, the Texas game as well from these past two years is also a really good uh, showcase for him as well with that. He's somebody that I think he would have the skill sets where like Jefferson and Thielen are able to separate. They're able to get open and then they're just – reliable receivers top to bottom. Wallace is one of those guys where I think he could come in and be a 30, 40 catch guy as a rookie and probably have six, seven touchdowns because he's also going to benefit you guys in the red zone and where Irv Smith and Rudolph are kind of your revolving door at tight ends. I think Wallace would be maybe Mr. Reliable for Kirk Cousins there. I think one of the fun things that Vikings fans can look forward to throughout this pre-draft process, especially when it comes to the wide receiver position is the flexibility that Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson have to be able to uh, be fluid with those X, Y, and Z roles. The Vikings can really target anybody and they don't have to pigeonhole themselves like they did in 2016, wanting that Michael Irvin X. That's why they took Laquan Treadwell. That's why they made that selection. And, I think it's going to be really fun to watch how some of these guys perform. I'm excited to hopefully get to talk to some of them as we cover the senior bowl and tight end is also going to be a really interesting one too, because as we've seen over the past few days, we've seen some pretty good tight ends decide to go back to school headlined by Charlie Kolar out of uh, Iowa state. 
he could have been projected through a good pre-draft process as a second or third round pick. And the Vikings are probably going to have a needed tight end. As you mentioned, Kyle Rudolph is still on the team. He carries a $9 million cap hit. I don't expect him to be back along with a lot of other Vikings experts. But this group is very interesting. Hunter Long and Kenny Yeboah uh, probably are the headliners here, with Long being from Boston College and Yeboah being from Ole Miss. But you also have some interesting guys. And one that you talked about in our pre-show chat, Harbs, Trey McKitty out of Georgia. And you described him as a thicker Malcolm Brown. Is that correct? Yes. So tell me a little bit about him. Are we getting any kind of pass catcher or is he just going to be a beefy boy to be able to block? Yeah, no. And McKinney for me is he's kind of like a throwback where he's not the biggest guy or he's not the big, tall, athletic tight end that you're used to now. He's kind of your short, stocky guy, um, real stiff in his movement, but he'll get you a couple touchdowns here and there, be a reliable blocker. Um, somebody that, like I was talking to you about, throwback for you Vikings listeners uh obviously Jim Kleinsaucer who I did not realize was a second round pick until Tyler and I were discussing this beforehand so um I think that's what you would see there is kind of like the Jim Kleinsaucer role where he'd be Mr. Reliable for you guys he'd be a fun whenever he scores you kind of get off the couch and get excited sort of guy but um I, I think you guys need somebody who's more like a Kyle Rudolph replacement um, a younger version, a more fluid version, better pass catcher at this point. And I think that would be more of a Hunter Long type. Uh, Hunter Long being out of Boston College, got tons of targets there. The stats are really padded for him in his favor. Uh, 6'5", 253 is what he listed at. I'm interested to see how big he really is. Um, so not if you're looking for like your Klein Saucer guy, that's who you're going to get with Bikitti. If you're looking for Kyle Rudolph's replacement, That'd be Hunter Long from Boston College. Man, Jim Kleinsauce was a throwback. I remember it was a game against the Bears in, I think, 2001. And that was kind of when they cemented his move to fullback because he fumbled two or three times in that game. The Vikings got a touchdown with two seconds left and a two-point conversion to lose the game 23-22. I will never forget that because Kleinsauce... Uh, decided to go full Adrian Peterson on the bit. And <laughs> oh my goodness, it was frustrating. But one of the tougher positions to really uh, watch and scout on an overall level, it's the offensive line. The offensive line has a lot of really good players uh, in this group. Uh, and we're going to kind of highlight a few of them that, that are going to be must watches. Uh, we have uh, a lot of offensive tackles. We have some guys that are kind of listed as those hybrid types, that just O-linemen. And then we have those who are just guards and centers. And I'm going to really um, pinpoint guys that Vikings fans need to pay attention to. Uh, you're looking at uh, tackles, Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa, Dil- Dylan Radons, North Dakota State, Alaric Jackson out of Iowa, Deontay Smith out of East Carolina, who's really interesting because he's an athletic specimen and only weighs 270 pounds as a tackle. That is obviously not going to get it done at the NFL level, but very interesting as as a long-term project. James Hudson out of Cincinnati, uh, Josh Myers, Ohio State, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, who would be a very odd fit for the zone scheme, but man, can that guy move people. Uh, You're looking at Ben Cleveland, Georgia, Deontay Brown, Alabama, and then 
if you really don't think that Garrett Bradbury is the guy, there's Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. Andrew, with this offensive line group, we have a lot of interesting players and not a lot of greatness. What are you kind of looking for when we're talking this offensive line group this year and what should Vikings fans be focused in on? I think you're you're going to want to focus in on the smaller school guys like we talked about. Um, there's a lot of guys from all over. We've got Alabama, Georgia represented, Penn State, Ole Miss, Notre Dame's very heavily represented, um, Oklahoma, Tennessee. But the guy is like David Moore from Grambling State, who's going to be a fun watch. Uh, Robert Jones from Middle Tennessee is going to be a fun watch for you guys. Uh, James Hudson from Cincinnati and uh, Western Michigan having two players here on offense represented in Jalen Moore now, too, um, adding with their receivers. So it's going to be one of those guys, again, day three is where you guys are obviously going to tune in. Um, I think round one and round three is where you guys are going to kind of be looking to make your splash. You're not going to get a flashy pick here with your offensive line, and that's okay. That's what you want here with your offensive line. Like we were joking about with the Browns and Wyatt Teller and everything. Um, you talked about Creed Humphrey being a center with Bradbury, if you want to move on there. I don't, even if you want to give Bradbury one more year, you could take Humphrey probably in that third round. I think he falls too, and he's somebody that had that first round hype. Um, take somebody that falls into that third round, maybe even the end of or beginning of day three. Um, we've seen crazier things happen, but play him at guard, and you can always move him inside. Um, he's somebody that I think can have a seamless fit and transition between those two. And then if you're looking for um, grit, toughness, good character, guy you want to be an anchor on your line eventually. Um, it's interesting to see what Landon Dickerson or Landon Dickerson does with the knee injury he sustained in the SEC championship game. Um, maybe he's that benefits Vikings fans and teams where he drops a little bit and kind of falls to you guys in the third round. So, or if he's there at the end of round two, maybe Spielman trades up. That's the other fun part with having all those picks is he can definitely make has the ammo to move up. With Landon Dickerson, did they fully identify what that knee injury is yet? They didn't, but I'm pretty sure he had surgery. So I, I know he was ruled out for the rest of the season, basically. So um, when you have your whole team come out and like say goodbye, like wave you off, and it's not a God forbid a serious neck injury, um, I think that speaks a lot to you, especially as an Alabama guy. Like I don't remember ever seeing that from anybody on Alabama. And the way Saban and his coaching staff handle guys it's going to be interesting to see um how he does in the interview process and how much that gets weighed versus the knee coming out makes sense to me uh andrew as far as talking about these offensive players for the senior bowl do you have any kind of final thoughts big picture things that that you are going to be looking for from this group i'm looking last year running back was really dull Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, I mean, like, I can't even think of running backs that were there last year, apart from like Jamichael Hasty and my guy Joshua Kelly. But like, the running back group this year can be really, really fun. And as we talked about, you guys have Dalvin Cook and Alex Madison, and you're pretty much set there. But you can still get guys that can come in for pass catching situations, third down things, guys that can go on special teams. Um, so I think running back is going to be an interesting watch to see if anybody really separates themselves. Um, because the way practice is set up, we know it doesn't really benefit them. But the receivers, like you talked about, having 16 of them, 
having one or two guys that steps up and separates themselves, it's always the smaller school guys that seem to do that because when you're doing one-on-one and you're burning a big school corner, um, which we'll talk about later this week who they are, if you're able to burn one of those guys, that's where you really leap off the board and teams say, wow, okay, we're going to take notice here. No, I completely agree. And the small school guys are really the ones who have that chance to stand out on a bigger stage, because, like the Kyle Duggar last year, uh, because they just don't have the opportunity uh, mm-hmm. on a regular basis to be able to uh, put their talent in front of other guys. One and guy. Oh, real quick, too. I was just going to add for as far as senior bowl for overall for you guys. Um, a lot of rosters are being built with these guys. Um, Brent Veach talked about it on uh, the Chiefs draft show they have on YouTube. And he says how the senior bowl is really your day two, day three guys for the most part. And those are who become the benchmarks for your roster. And if you look at their roster and the Chiefs or in the Colts, um, 49ers, all those front offices really build from here. And that's where their success comes from, in my opinion. I completely agree. Andrew? Where can the people find you and your work? And what do you have cooking for uh, everybody? It's all fantasy content right now. We're doing the scouting aspect of things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mandrew underscore FF. And that's Andrew with an M for Mandrew. Um, nieces and nephews gave me that name. And I feel I always have to explain it because it always sounds arrogant. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, Twitter, I mean, that's where you can find me for that. And then nothing really great in the pipeline. We're still working on the draft guide and getting stuff done there. Um, just on skill players alone, I'm on pace to have like 120-some reports. So it's it's a fun process. And a lot of guys probably won't even pan out, but I'll have a scouting report in case James Robinson pops up is how I look at it. It's a good way to look at it, man. And I, I greatly appreciate you coming on for the first time this week. And – Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fantastic uh, month for the scouting process. There's a lot that goes on. You're still finishing up the college football season. Uh, You're getting more and more uh, tape on some of these guys. And the Senior Bowl is a fantastic way to get yourself acclimated with these players. Until then, have yourselves a great day, guys, and skull. Perfect.